Ephesians 2, starting at verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then you, we see Joseph, you know, after his brothers uh, sold him and after many years, he, you know, he, um, he met them and he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. But God, and then we see David um, in Samuel when, um, uh, uh, you know, the king um, Saul was chasing him with his soldiers. It says that, he said that David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of deserts of Zephyr. Um, day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give, uh, give David into his hands. But God, and in and, 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 um, um, Psalm 37, the singer um, uh, uh, said this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. And then in Acts, Peter said, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. You know, we had a but God moments in our life, don't we? Throughout life, I, you know, where God intervened and changed our life, our situation, when we were in despair, where, where, where our situation seems unredeemable, where sorrows and sadness overwhelmed us, where we felt alone, where we didn't even know how to pray, but God intervened. God came to our side. God came to redeem and change our situation. We prayed and God intervened. God came. So that we have but God moments in our life. Even today, if you are in need of God's intervention in your life, God could change your situation into a but God moment because God is love and rich in mercy. Here in Ephesus, Paul talks about the greatest of all but God moment, the greatest of all. You know, the act of God that transformed our life, our destiny forever. But God... But there are, you know, there are, but there are two arch enemies of the gospel, enemies of the message of this particular but God moment that undermines the significance and far-reaching consequence of the act of God and, uh, described in this uh, uh, portion of scripture. Those two arch enemies of the gospel are one, legalism. 
legalism, particularly in, in, um, in, the, you know, in the Christian circle, legalism, a view that believes in the human ability to perform, obey, or fulfill what is required and earn acceptance and approval uh, and love of God. You know, it comes from a lack of proper understanding of the, uh, an encounter with our fallenness, our fallen nature, how incapable we are, uh, 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 not knowing how incapable we are to, to, to provide anything worthy of acceptance before God. It is fear-driven instead of love-driven. It leads oftentimes either to pride and boasting when we feel we are doing well or to despair and hopelessness when we fail. And the second enemy of the gospel is licensing, it's, it's lawlessness or antinomianism, a view that rejects law, argues against moral, religious, and social norms. You know, sometimes it arises from a reaction to legalism. You know, we see a legalistic situation and we react towards it and we go to the other extreme and, 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 and into lawlessness. You know, license says, I am saved, accepted, loved, forgiven, and, and the way I live my life doesn't really make any difference to my relationship with God. He knows my weaknesses. He loves me as I am. He, I'm, I'm, I'm living in the fallen world. I should feel free. I, should be, I shouldn't be legalistic. So it is reacting from one extreme to, an, to another. You see the licensing, kind of the lawlessness, and then we react to legalism. So there is this, uh, this, um, uh, this um, uh, extremes that really rob us to understand and enjoy the, the magnificent, uh, 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 you know, um, work that God has done through Christ. And licensing the, the lawlessness comes first, firstly out of our failure to grasp the transformational power of the gospel, the, the, the resurrection power of Jesus that works in us, which Jean was talking about last week. You know, secondly, when we fail to understand the purpose of our salvation, the answer to the question, why did God save us? You know, in these 10 verses, Paul tried to show us three things that would help us to be protected from these two enemies of the gospel, legalism and license, and rejoice in the great intervention of God, but God. Now, not by prescribing what we should do, what where our conduct should be, what, what kind of action we should take. No, he's by, but, but, but by laying down the foundation for our action. You know, uh, um, by, because our belief determines and influences our actions. So he's, he's, he's here uh, providing what God has done for us. He's, he's laying the foundation for our action, the, the actions that he will, he will start to describe from chapter 4 onwards. So the three things Paul is saying here are understand the depths of your fallenness. Understand the depths of your fallenness. And the second thing he's saying is understand the height of your salvation. And then certainly understand the goal of your salvation. Why did God save you? That's what we see in this, um, in this uh, 10 verses. Understand, understanding the depths of our fallenness will do at least three things in us. One, it will eradicate legalism because if you understand where you were when God saved you, that no amount of effort could have saved you. If, if you understand that you were not in a place where you could have contributed to your salvation and that you had nothing that merits God's salvation. And I, I, you know, I believe that will eradicate or put you in a place where you will be more sensitive to discern legalism in your life and remind, uh, 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 remind of, uh, you'll be reminded of the gospel. And it brings great humility 
uh, and which leads to developing dependency upon the grace of God as we live our, our Christian life. We'll be depending. We're not the one who saved, you know, we didn't save ourselves. We, we, when we really understand the, 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 uh, the, our fallenness, the depths of our fallenness, it, it will help us to depend on God in our daily life. And that will help us to see where humanity without Christ is at the moment, without, without Christ, Christ is. So the first three verses, Paul starts by describing our fallenness. He, his description, obviously, is, is really um, you know, not politically correct. I mean, in our time, we, if we see what he says about the fallen nature of uh, humanity, what humanity looks like outside of Christ, it's, it's, it's very hard for our society to accept because, you know, there is that... Um, uh, society projects, uh, you know, uh, that there is kind of goodness that he, he, human beings are good, uh, and and the, the but but uh, what he's describing here is, um, you know, f uh, it's hard to swallow in in, in our time. But that is what uh, we were and we are outside of Christ. The first indicator of the depths of our fallenness, Paul says, is death. He said, "You were dead in your transgression." And sin. You are dead. You are dead. That Paul is saying that you were unresponsive to God. You didn't have any connection. There is there was disconnection. There is no sensitivity. There's nothing in you that, that, that really uh, uh, makes you respond to God. As someone who is physically dead is unable to respond to life, so were you to God. You are spiritually dead, disconnected from God. Not somehow between days and life and half conscious, but dead. You know, I, I, I heard that there was uh, one uh, uh, theologian uh, professor who used to take his students to a cemetery and ask them to preach. To really, to show them the gravity of, uh, to help them see the gravity of the task so that they may understand that it takes God to save people. It takes God to save us. It is God who saved us. We were dead in our transgressions. Sometimes what makes it difficult for us to accept that humanity is spiritually dead is without Christ is the, the, the good and morality that we witness. Even sometimes we might be from, um, you know, morally uh, kind of uh, high place or religious kind of background. We think, mm, I, was, I was really alive. I, I was good, you know. But no, Paul is saying, no, you were dead. You are responsive. And, you know, human beings are, uh, you know, but, but, but there are, of course, but Paul is not saying that there is no good in people and that Christians are better. He's, that's not what he's saying. Human, he's saying, human, you know, human beings are created in the image of God and as such there are goodness bestowed upon us which remains despite the fall, although not in its created state or serving its true purposes. But that doesn't change the fact that human beings are spiritually dead without Christ. The second description is we were not only dead but deceived. We were going to the wrong direction, following or ruled by, controlled by, first the desire of our flesh, carrying out our, the desire of our nature, uh, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. We were gravitated towards that. That's why we were following and yeah, uh, we were, you know, under that dominion, under the, 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 the carnal dominion, the flesh dominion. He said, you were also following the way of the, the world. 
you know, guided in the wrong direction. You were pursuing the wrong things. You were under the world system, you know, following its ways, its way of life, its values, its ideologies, and its thoughts. You, you, that was what you were being chasing. The world has its way of life, how it defines a good life, happiness, etc., which is contrary to God's way of life uh, uh, or intention. You know, the world celebrates that, God, uh, that which God detests. It calls normal, which God calls abnormal. It serves our sinful desire. Paul's saying you were living and walking in the following way and, and, and following a way of life that was contrary to God. You know, John, John uh, summarizes uh, love in the world in his um, letter in, 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 this, in this way. He says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from uh, the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That is what the, the, the world system serves. And we were in, in loving relationship with the world, not with the Father. We were loving that, we were chasing that, we were following that, we were under its dominion, we were, you know, we, the, we were under its influence. But not only we were dead, not only we were f uh, following our flesh, not only we were uh, under the world system, but Paul is saying you were also following, deceived, deceived by the ruler of the air. You know, there was um, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is not uh, now at work in those who are disobedient. You know, another way of saying the devil, you were under the influence of uh, the evil one. Paul is saying whether you were aware of it or not, we were under the influence of the evil, the devil. As he is now at work on those who are disobedient, he was at work in our life. He is using our sinful state to create a system that appeals to our flesh to keep us away from God. Uh, in the West, we, are, we have tended to be more materialistic and ignore the spiritual aspect of uh, the world, don't we? You know, in the African context, we go to the other, other extreme. We see spirits everywhere. You know, <laughs> uh, but here, it is, it's also the other extreme, and we neglect that there is a spiritual, uh, a spiritual force that binds people. And that's what Paul talks about later on in chapter 6 when he talks about how we should be engaging uh, with, with, with that. And so we were corrupt by nature, children of wrath. This is what, what we were born with hostility towards God. That was our, our uh, Nature. This, this also is a universal problem. You know, no one is left. Everyone is included in this um, uh, situation. We shouldn't minimize where we were without Christ. We all were in the same place. This is, this is the, the, the depths of our fallenness. You know, but, but God interrupted everything. He interrupted everything. Looking at where we were before Christ magnifies the grace of God, the mercy of God that came towards us. This is, this is true. Yes, this is true. We were dead. We were, we were ruled by our flesh, by the world system, by the devil. This was where we were. This was true. All that Paul described in the first three verses are true, but God. This was our state, but God. 
you know, he, what did he do? He displayed his love. He, he, because of his love, because of his graciousness, because of his rich mercy, because God is rich in his mercy, he came to rescue us, to our rescue. He displayed his love for us in Christ. He says that God who is rich in mercy, the God whose mercy is unending, the God who has his mercy, mercy in abundance. As the book of Lamentation says, his, his mercy is new every morning. He didn't give us what we deserve, but in his mercy, he gave us the best, his best, which, which is Christ Jesus himself. Because of his great love he has for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, this is how he, he saved us. He made us alive. He made us alive. He gave us life. He, he, we were dead. He gave us life. He raised us up. We were dead when he raised us up with Christ. He, he, he seated us. We were subjected to the three, three rulers. We were subjected to our flesh. We were subjected to the world system. We were subjected to evil spirits. But God lifted us above all and seated us on the right hand of the Father with Christ. He did all this with Christ. With Christ. That's what uh, uh, Paul uh, repeatedly says in this, in this scripture. He says the phrase with Christ demonstrates how God made united our life with Christ. How he sink our life together with, with Christ. He died our days so that we may live his life. He raised us with Christ by the power of his resurrection. Uh, his resurrection. He seated us with him in the heavenly places to share his authority. All the powers which has dominion, dominion over us, sin, the world, the enemy are no more over us, but beneath us. We have now sharing the authority of Christ, and we are able to say no to those things, because he lifted up and seated us with, and, and uh, 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 he, we are seated with him. You know, look how Paul explains the height of Christ's seat, where we are invited to sit in chapter one, the, uh, the last verses. He says, that power which, he, which Paul is praying for the Ephesians to, to know, he said, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That is where we are seated with Christ, above all dominions. There's no power, no dominion, no influence, no jurisdiction. No, there is no, that is, uh, that is controlling us. We are in a place where we can say no. We are free from that. We were in that depths of fallenness. Now God, God took us up to the height of our salvation. We need to see when we see the depths of our fallenness and then we, we, we really appreciate the height of our salvation. Wow, where is God placed us? It's not the, you know, Christianity, it's our salvation, it's just amazing. That's what Paul is, he just couldn't even describe it. You know, he says, he, he, sometimes he says, you know, the richness of God's mercy. He, he just doesn't have uh, words to explain what God has done in Christ Jesus. This is the gospel. He done all this by grace alone. It is a gift. He says it's a gift of God. It is by grace you have been saved. Paul repeats this twice, actually, in, this, in these 10 verses. It's important that you know you are saved by grace. 
You are not, you are not in the position to save yourself. God came to save you. You are saved by grace. You were not worthy of his salvation, but God came and, and saved you by his grace. So it's not by work. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. That's why you received the gift of God. No place for boasting. Not by work so that no one can boast. No one can take any credit. You haven't contributed anything. What happens when you grasp the transformational message of the gospel is that you will be filled with unspeakable joy. Because rejoicing is a sign of winning. Isn't it? You know, you, you go to a stadium and you see, you can tell uh, whose, whose team uh, has won, isn't it? How do you tell? One is rejoicing, the other is uh, looking down. And winning, we are invited, participated in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the victory of Christ. So you'll be filled with unspeakable joy. You'll be filled with the love of God, for, 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 for love for God and for others. You know, you will be free and able to say no to things which used to overpower you. You'll be filled with rest. There's no work left for you to do. He done it. It's finished. You are accepted, loved. You are a child of God. You, you, Phoebe, you, are, you are invited and, and entered into the rest of God. You are, there is amazing rest before God. You rest from your works. You will be filled with security. You know that God is not going to change. His, his mood towards you will never change. The way he looks at you will never change. He will never change. The way he treats you will never change. He'll never change. He loves you so much, and he continues to love you forever. Let's just, you know, it's just amazing. You know, understand the, the goal of, and then the third thing Paul is saying is, understand the goal of your salvation. We see two connected goals of our salvation. Why did God save us? He says, the first thing is to show his graciousness, to show his mercy, to show how gracious he is, how loving he is, how, how wonderful he is. It says, in order that in the coming ages, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You know, why did God save us? He might show the incomparable riches of his grace. You know, the incomparable riches of his grace. You, can, you cannot be able to explain it. It doesn't have comparison. There is no comparison for the grace of God. You can't compare it to anything. So that to show, to demonstrate to the universe, to demonstrate to the universe, it will be astonishing display to the whole universe. How does he display his mercy, his grace, his graciousness? How does he do it? I do it. The scripture says here that expressed uh, his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He displays his grace, his love, how, how wonderful he is, how the, the incomparable riches of his grace by showing your life. By you are the object of his demonstration. He demonstrates the incomparable riches of his grace in your life. God is going to say, look what my grace has done. Look what my mercy has done. Look what the, the, the work of Christ on the cross has done. Look, at what, look what my grace has done. And he's showing you, he's showing us 
So, you know, we are, we are the objects that, that he demonstrates his incomparable uh, uh, grace. You know, he's working in our life. He's, he's beautifying us. He's changing us. He's transforming us. He's making us so beautiful and so, so that he will get glory. Then, then we will just say, look, you know, you know, we, we will see our life. We'll be amazed. We'll be worshiping. But, but the whole universe will see what God has done uh, through Christ in our life, you are the object of the, the, the object that he demonstrates um, this incomparable grace. You are the object of his grace. He will show his grace by transforming our life. God will say, look what my grace have done. That's why he made his grace available for us. The fountain of his grace is open for us. You know, mind you, it says in the future, in the coming ages. So in the, in the coming ages, because we are not complete yet, we are work in progress. God is working you know, in your life, changing us, transforming us. He's at work. We have not finished that, that when the coming age, when Christ returns, by then, and we see him, we'll be like him. We'll be transformed. And the transformation is continuing. It's working. God is working. That's why he opened the fountain of grace and invites us to that grace. It is grace that transforms us. It is through grace that we change and transform. That's why he positioned us under the fountain of his grace to transform us. That's what we need to, to do. Stay under his fountain. We receive grace by faith, by trusting in what he has done. And then he... Um, and then he said not only just to display the goodness but also to, to make to, to, so that uh, we are saved to do the good works God prepared for us now you know we are created in Christ Jesus to do good what God prepared in advance for us we are, he says we are his workmanship we are his work of art. Like, like he, he's, he's, he, he worked us. He says, we have, you know, we, that, that's, that means he's the one who created us. He's the one who redeemed us. He's, so he, we have, we, we have words. We are, we are, we are a masterpiece. A masterpiece. We, our words doesn't rest in what we do, but in what God made us to be. We do good work not to have uh, value or significance, but we do what we do because we have value and significance. So he says, created us in Christ Jesus to do good work. This is, this is a new reality. He created us. He created us. The, the good work, doing the good work comes after, after being created. So he created us in Christ Jesus. This is a new reality. We have a new reality. The old reality is gone. Now there is a new reality. In this new reality, you can do good through Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus, we are made new. The good that God prepared before time. You know, that means as God prepared our salvation. You know, in, in chapter, chapter 1, we see even before the creation of the world, God has prepared and chose us in Christ Jesus. As he prepared his salvation, he also prepared the good work that we would be, would be doing in our life. The, the fruit of our salvation. That means lawlessness or license is, 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 is to fail to grasp the goal of our salvation. It is to fail to, to grasp the transformational power of the gospel, the, the, to undermine the new creation, the, our, our being created in Christ Jesus. It is living out, you know, God is doing good. It's, it is living out the character of our salvation. It is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. It is, it is radiating his character, the character of the one who redeemed us. 
We used to walk in sin, but now we are walking in the goodness of God and his righteousness. Before it was sin, but now it is God who does in us uh, to will and to do. As Paul uh, said in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Before, when we were in the fallen state, it was sin which was working in us. Now it is God which, who is enabling us to live a good life. You know, when we talk about, um, when we think about doing good uh, or holiness, our mind is gravitated to uh, overcoming the negative, you know, like dropping that, leaving that, or can we, we, we tend to uh, think about the, the negative things you know, that we should overcome or we should stop doing or, you know, those negative things. But that's not what is emphasized here. That, that has been dealt with by the cross of Christ. Now it is to do the good that God prepared for us. So it is that our focus is the good. You are able to do those good. So he, God wants us to focus on that good, to, 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 to live out the goodness of God, to live out his character in our life. So to, to, to love, to serve, to, 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 you know, to, to live a righteous life. That is kind of, that is, that is what is uh, projected here. We, we we were invited to do good, to focus on the good. So we will see not only a, a desire, but a, a, a change happening in our life because we have been transformed by um, the grace of God. We, we, because we are saved, we see change in our life. We see uh, uh, us doing, continue to do, starting doing the good, engaging with, with good. Um, Talking about this, John, John, Newton said, uh, John Newton said this. He said, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what one day I will be, but I'm not what I was. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. So say every Christian. We have been transformed and changed and, and we see as be, the, the person who is saved will begin to see the good work manifesting working uh, through his or her life. So the gospel take us from death to life, from transgression to pardon, from lo lostness to grace, from Satan to God, from identity with this world to identity with Christ, from walking in sin to walking in righteousness. Let your past remind you the power of the gospel. Look back and see how far God brought you, how he transformed your life, where you used to be and where you are today. You know, to, and, and the second question I want, I want us to ask is, which one, to which one are you gravitated to? To legalism or lawlessness? You know, your reaction to legalism could lead you to license and your reaction to license to legalism. Let's remember today that the, the gift of God and the transforming power of the gospel. It is a free gift, but also a transforming power. That power that saved us, raised us from the dead is available to empower us to live the resurrection life. Let's, let's yield to his power in prayer today. You know, we are his workmanship. God wants to display to the universe how kind he is, how loving he is, how gracious he is, how powerful he is. And he, he displays his, this through your life, our life. 
let that let that inspire us to to yield more even to him to 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 to, to see that God, God's you, you are God's project God, God is trying to beautify your life transform your life into the likeness of God it is not just only your desire to change it's actually that desire came and put in your heart by God he is at work in your life changing you transforming you into the likeness of Christ it's not we are not complete yet but we are uh, in work in progress so live under the fountain of his grace always coming to his grace you know how does hearing the grace of God motivates you to live for him to do the good work. But God, because of his great love for us, intervened in our life. Paul said in Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Let's bring all to God in thanksgiving and pray. Let's pray.